Views and opinions expressed on this program are those solely of its speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of WMUA, its management board, or the board of trustees of the University of Massachusetts. For WMUA News, I'm Bonnie Chen. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm the news editor at WMUA. You might have heard my voice in the past during our live daily news broadcasts or recently in the podcasts that the news operator Andy Betancourt and I created. You're currently tuning in to the first episode of our podcast's second season. We did not think that we would be doing this so soon. The staff at the station thought going into this new semester with campus at 60% capacity that we could get the opportunity to transition back to a semi-live programming like the one we had before COVID-19. But this was not the case. Student union renovations were finishing up at the beginning of the academic year, which prompted the station's move from the campus center to the new student union. The move was executed prior to the start of the spring semester. All that was left to do once the semester began was unpacking and for our station engineer Dan and station advisor Carson to finish hooking all the wires back up. So at the start of the semester, our main control room was back up and running and we were able to go live. The news of our station being live at our first department meeting prompted me to talk to Carson and our general manager Justin about the possibility of broadcasting news live again this semester. They said we can do it. However, UMass was designated level high risk due to a surge in positive COVID-19 cases later that first week and effectively shut down campus for a minimum of 14 days. This cut off our access to the studio once again and halted any plans to broadcast live. But this was not unique. COVID-19 as a whole has forced not just all of us at WMUA to adapt, but other campus organizations and student businesses as well. Some, maybe even for the better. Editor-in-chief of the Daily Collegian, Morgan Reppert, was able to give me some insight on how COVID-19 has affected operations at the newspaper, both when the pandemic first struck and now. The Collegian has had to adapt to many changes like every other student organization at UMass. Um, We were forced to make the switch to be fully remote back in March. um, And since then, we've kind of gotten our bearings and been able to use the fully remote space um, as a way to strengthen our digital and media capabilities. So now that we are no longer printing, we're able to focus that capacity back into our website and how we engage with our audience um, all remotely, which has definitely been interesting and forced us to get creative. As many downsides as there are to being fully remote and kind of lacking that in-person connection, there's also been a lot of upsides to it. We've been able to be more flexible with people in different time zones, different countries. We've been able to reach alumni that we typically wouldn't have just given, um, you know, people typically have more time than they once did. And there's, you know, a bit more slowness to life than before. So, like I said, there's been as many upsides as there's down sides. Um, I would imagine just like any other student organization, we've been taking things as they come and kind of not trying to 
plan too far in advance because it's just not a given. We were hoping to be physically in the office using the space at 25% capacity, abiding by the COVID regulations that UMass has set forth for student organizations. Um, you know, obviously that's an ideal world and that's not the case right now. And we don't know what the future is going to look like um, given the recent events over the past two weeks. You know, I think just like any other student body, we would rather the university and our students and the community of the greater Amherst area stay safe. And if that means that we have to be remote for the next semester, we'll do that. Um, my hope is that the next year of the collegian, so when my year graduates, that they can go in and enjoy the office and be able to expand their reach and continue doing what we're doing um, in an expanded way that we weren't able to this semester. The staff at the Daily Collegian were able to adapt to the push to remote activity, as it will sustain them in future operations now that they have moved to paperless circulation. This contrasts what a lot of student businesses have had to endure since closing down their businesses last March. There are seven student-run cooperative businesses at UMass. Sweets and More, Greeno Sub Shop, Earth Foods Cafe, Sylvan Snack Bar, People's Market, Campus Design and Copy, and The Bike Coop. Every co-op is run by student co-managers, all with equal say and power in the operations of the business. The Center for Student Businesses, or CSB, support the businesses by providing the foundation for their operations through employee training, especially in financial procedures like booking, budgeting, invoicing, and etc. I spoke to the administrative coordinator at CSB, Mary Westmorf, on how COVID-19 has affected the student businesses. So all of the businesses had to close in the middle of March in 2020. As you know, the campus was closed and, and students left campus and they hoped to reopen, but they weren't able to. They're still closed now. And one of the biggest impacts on the businesses was that um, the university made a good decision that all student employees across campus should be paid for two weeks when they when they had to leave campus was sort of like severance. The problem was that that money came out of whatever account had paid the students in the past. And for the student businesses, that was from their revenue account. And when they were paying payroll normally, they would be earning money uh, and have revenue to cover that payroll cost. So that was a big hit for them to have to make those payments themselves when they had no income coming in to cover them. Mm -hmm. And also just not being able to earn for all the time. So all of those students didn't have jobs. We were able to hire, I think one student for each business during that time. And we were trying to have them document procedures and training that we might need in the future but all the rest of the students were unemployed and the business was not earning. And so they've lost a lot financially and also in continuity because the businesses are really, they are totally student run. So the students have the knowledge and the autonomy to make business decisions and to run operations. And the way that works, um, there's a high level of turnover because students graduate all the time. So it's a passing the baton kind of thing where um, they hire someone to, or someone is elected to fill a position before the next person you know, leaves. And so 
we're afraid that, you know, we're losing a whole generation of experienced co-managers. So we're, we're scrambling to try to document as much as we can. And they've been good at this. They all have handbooks that have a lot of procedures and most of their operational detail. But so much of the training and just experience was done person to person. And a lot of those students will not be there to train their successors. So we have a lot of concern about that. The student employees had hoped to reopen, but it was not feasible due to the lack of students on campus needed to run the businesses and be the customers. Not opening was also a matter of safety. It would have been difficult to operate within public health behavioral regulations as some of the food-related businesses were self-service. A huge additional concern for the student businesses is their financial ability to begin operations next fall. Because of those losses from payroll and just not being able to operate for, what is that, half of spring semester and both of these semesters, that's two and a half semesters, it's been quite a while. So um, we are concerned that some of the businesses won't actually have enough to open in the fall because they have to um, create purchase orders to buy food to prepare and sell, things like that. So there are some concerns and also they have payroll costs early on as they open. And what would, what would be the fallback if they weren't financially secure? We are not certain of that at this time. We are exploring all options. The, um, there, there was a small cash reserve flow uh, fund that the CSB had for loaning to businesses at the beginning of the year if they didn't have enough to open their purchase requests and they would earn enough to pay it back at the end of the year. But those loans that went out last in the previous academic year were not able to be repaid because the businesses were closed. Mm -hmm. So that fund for us is bare right now. We have um, we had hoped that the university might be able to provide some support and are still hoping that, but we have, we've heard nothing about any support from that direction. The SGA is concerned as well, and they're making an effort to support us, but because of their bylaws, currently they're not able to give money directly to the student businesses and they're not able to um, move funds from a student fee account, which is from the, you know, the money that comes from the SGA from student fees to a revenue account, which is the businesses all operate from a revenue account from the money they earn. So um, there's some exploration going on with the SGA to see if they can make an exception or to change something in that procedure. But at the moment, we're kind of on our own, and that's concerning. Um, one of the things that the businesses are doing to be proactive this year is um, several of them have been doing Minute Fund campaigns. Minute Fund is UMass's crowdfunding initiative that acts as a platform for UMass groups and organizations to raise money. Earth Foods did one in the fall. Greeno is just completing one. Sylvan has just started one. And we're hoping that bike and um, campus design and copy will be able to shortly. So they're trying to earn as much, you know, to raise as much as they can in support from the community. But um, we don't have all the answers about what's going to happen in the fall. We would like to be able at least, we're hopeful that we can get some support from the SGA or the administration 
And even with that, some of them will have to start with very bare bones service to see what they can afford to do, what they can provide. But it's such a valuable program. We really don't want to lose them. And there is some, some risk of that at this time. Our reporter Andy Betancourt spoke to a co-manager at Earth Foods Cafe, Seamus Cusack, who reiterated financial concerns toward reopening in the fall. Um, I think it's going to be hard um, to get back into it. Um, the sudden closing um, in March, we lost a decent amount of revenue. Um, we also lost the spring um, income that we were excited for. Um, and so really the hope is that we can open in the fall. Um, that's, yeah, that's the hope. Um, we did fundraising in an effort to get enough money so that we could be, um, covered enough to open and then go into it. But the co-ops right now are not having the best time. Andy also spoke to James Ritney, who works at Greeno's sub shop and who explained the financial situation at his co-op. Um, when Corona hit first hit, we were like so unprepared for it and we just shut down for like two weeks and we thought that was going to be it. And then we'd be back like everyone originally thought. And then when it became clear that we'd have to shut down for the semester and for like the foreseeable future. And we hadn't really prepared for that. Seamus from Earth Foods Cafe additionally expressed concern for new staff recruitment. So the benefit is that if everything's online, there's uh, more ways to get notice out when we are hiring. We have had a little bit of discussions about um, the hiring process, which is probably going to start in the later spring. Um, but for recruitment, I think it's going to be harder. And I don't think it's just for Earth Foods. I think for most co-ops, um, because we usually um, advertise not only like through putting up posters and that kind of things, but a lot through word of mouth. Um, and if there is no Earth Foods for people to go to, to just step in and for them to see posters and say like, oh, we're hiring, like scan this like code and you know, you can apply. Um, I think it's going to be a lot harder to get people um, to be interested in working in food service, especially like, I mean, though we are co-op, it's going to be really hard because um, food service is not the most like exciting job, especially right now. No access to the campus studio forced us here at WMUA to go fully remote and necessitated a reliance on only pre-recorded content. The station saw a drastic decrease in programming. Nina Jones is the director of programming at WMUA. Her job entails creating the semester show schedule and essentially deciding who does or does not get a show here at the station. 
According to Nina, a typical seven full days of programming with two-hour slots allowed for about 12 shows a day, or approximately 84 shows a week. Now, there are only about 30 shows a week. Pre-recording required additional knowledge and sometimes equipment for at-home recordings, which are not accessible to all show hosts. Many, if not all, relied on the studio to air their shows live. Therefore, there was a huge decline in programming. That is why we here at the news section could not and still cannot broadcast our usual daily news shows and why we created this podcast. I spoke with our sports co-director, Cameron Cyber to discuss how COVID-19 affected the sports section. Well, it's affected it in a, it's affected it in a major way. There have been not a lot of sports to broadcast in the most recent shutdown at school. Athletics were put on a pause up and down the board. So no teams are currently practicing or playing games. But even before this shutdown, we weren't we haven't received access to the Mullen Center to broadcast games in person. Obviously, traveling to other games and to other arenas has been difficult. Really, it's just been hard, yeah, in every aspect because of all the the restrictions that are placed on us. Um, so it's just, been, and that's just been the big objective to try to find workarounds with COVID being in place and finding ways to stay active and, and keep doing what we do, but just in a different medium, I guess. How did the most recent closure of campus affect um, your ability, I guess, to broadcast or the sports section? Yeah, so uh, as you know, the student union building was finally renovated and our studios were moved over and we were ready to kind of start hitting the ground running again with remote broadcasts from within our studio. And of course, with the most recent shutdown, the studio has been closed as well as, like I mentioned, athletics not having any teams active right now. So it's definitely affected in a major way. It felt like, like I said, we were finally rounding a corner towards normalcy and then all of a sudden we get smacked in the face with this. And we're pretty much back at square one. Our meeting last night was a little depressing in ways, just kind of just relaying that information to everybody and saying, like, like I said, back to square one, where it's like, we got to get creative again and figure out ways to do stuff and, and how can we continue to make content when there's not sports teams active and there's not things going on. How can we still make something out of nothing, I guess? It's kind of back where we are. We're back at square one. How will this affect operations going forward? Has this, in a way, enabled the sports section to kind of find a new stream of content or working around the remote broadcasts? Yeah, in terms of a new stream of content, I think the big focus for us this year has just been programming shows and recording from home and talking about we're analyzing the teams and the things that are going on. We can't be doing a live broadcast. I think that's the next closest thing to that. And just any experience that our members can get in front of a microphone, talking and using their voice and sharing their thoughts and, and try to and get more comfortable doing that uh, has been the main goal this year. In terms of how it affects things going forward, it's definitely hampering us in a big way because we haven't been able to get face-to-face -face with our members and show them the, the tangible skills that they can be learning, like how to use the board or how to report on a game, how to craft a tweet when you're at an event or how to ask a question to a player when you're face to face and follow up questions and all those different things. There's just so much 
that we could be teaching face to face and, and the ways I learned as through my years growing with people who are older than me and, and just learn actually being there and making the mistakes that you can learn from in person and doing all those things like everybody that's come before us. I'd, I'd say that's probably the biggest missing aspect is just being able to get face to face and actually teach them things right in front of themselves like as well like trying to teach someone an editing software is extremely difficult remotely because uh, you can't just specifically point at stuff or show that it just gets so much more difficult and then access even to to just these the softwares that we try to use is not necessarily there for everybody so i'd say there's a, a lot of ways that it's it's kind of hampered our, our i guess our our movement towards future generations would you say that that's like the most frustrating aspect of all of this yeah, I think for me personally, um, over the years, I, I, I like to think I've developed some pretty good skills in broadcasting. And this was a year where everything was going to kind of culminate into a big opportunity to, to put all those skills to use, I guess, and to not be able to broadcast any games in my final year is definitely tough. I don't know. I mean, I'm hopeful that I'll get jobs and everything like that, but you never know when your last opportunity is going to be to do a broadcast for a live sporting event. Division one sports, it's a, it's a great opportunity. It's, it's, it's a rare one. Um, and, and to not, and again, to not even to be able to be unable to provide that to new members or have incentive, I guess, to be involved and to be active and to show up to meetings. It's like, there's nothing that we can give back to them uh, as a, as a payment, I guess, for their commitment and their dedication to us. So that's difficult. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's just the biggest missing part is not being able to go to games in person and experience the whole production that is a, a radio broadcast and, and everything that goes before and after we go live you know interviewing players and the coaches press conferences all that stuff preparation for a game is obviously really really important a lot goes into that so it's just it's been tough in a lot of ways mary wharf also expressed frustrations at the benefits students lost from the closure of the student co-op program oh my i don't know if you know anything about this but um, it's a co-curricular program. It is, it's so much different than just having a job at a, co at a coffee shop somewhere else because in the cooperative na nature of their businesses, they meet together every week and um, all of the co-managers meet for each business and share information and make business decisions. And also in addition to that and working shift hours in the stores, each of them is on um, at least a couple of committees. They call them committees, but they're really, um, they're performing management functions, whether it's bookkeeping or payroll or purchasing, um, human relations, hiring. So they get all of that experience and um, it's so, it helps them in their coursework, even if they're not business majors, which most of them aren't. They all, we have majors all, of all types. Um, and it helps them to work in groups, to, uh, they get a lot of experience in conflict resolution and problem solving and quick thinking and critical thinking. And they're so well prepared for jobs. Um, I was in the eye doctor's office one time and she asked me what I did and I told her and she said, oh my goodness, we have someone from a student business and it's so great. She said, I can teach them about an eye office, but they know so much about business. They have so much 
to offer as an employee. So um, we find that's really the autonomy that they have and the responsibility. They learn so much. And the other thing is community and support. These are like families. And all of the students that we talk to when they leave or later or while they're here, they talk about how much that means to them, how much that helped them to adjust to college life and to complete college. So, you know, I'm a little biased, but <laughs> I've only been here for about six years. And before I came to this job, I had no idea that anything like this existed. And it is quite amazing. And would you say that's the most frustrating aspect of having all of this, that the students are losing this these sort of experiences that will ultimately help them in the long run? And I guess that sense of community that you spoke about amongst all the employees? Yes, it's very hard. Um, and I would say even across the businesses, a few years ago, we instituted something called the Co-op Collab, where, um, and this, it, the co-managers from the different businesses often already knew each other or socialized or whatnot, but this was an opportunity for them also to work together across businesses and discuss different kinds of issues that they had in their own business. And so there's, it's a wider circle than just their own business. Um, so I think that's really hard for the co-managers. They don't have the income, they don't have the experience, they don't have the community in the same way. And, um, and we're really concerned about also the businesses losing the continuity of being able to be open and being able to pass their experience on to the next generation of co-managers. While COVID-19 has forced many student organizations and businesses to adapt and learn to be versatile, it has also put many in tough positions. It raises concerns of how student business operations will function in the upcoming academic year, whether it be financially or staff related. A common frustration among the student groups is the lost opportunities that operating normally provides, either in the student businesses or campus media. Like members of the sports section at WMUA, members of the news section don't get the valuable experience of reporting on current events live or learning how to operate a soundboard or edit and cut audio with the software provided by the station. There is great value in all student groups at UMass, but was ultimately not utilized because of COVID-19. For WMUA News, I'm Bonnie Chen.